Hey everyone, you're listening to InfoQuench with Jeff and Amy, a podcast with tips to make your life easier, covering pop culture, parenting, travel, minimalism, and more. Hey everybody and welcome to InfoQuench. I'm your host Jeff. And I'm Amy. And we have another amazing podcast for you today. It's going to be incredible. It is. What is it about? I forget. (laughs) It's going to be about the origin of common sayings. There are a lot of common sayings that people use, especially, I find, in the Maritimes. Well, I guess not especially in the Maritimes, but the Maritimes have their own unique blend of idioms, just like everywhere else, I guess. Yeah, exactly. A little colloquialism. We'll, we'll, We'll be like touching upon those, but we can do some more broader idioms as well, right? Yes. But before we get into that, I want to do a, a correction of our Lyme disease. Oh, podcast. you don't make mistakes, honey. I, I know. You made a mistake? What mistake I make, did you I make? I make lots of mistakes. Well, I always, again, I always try to research and have all my information handy, but that you had asked me a quick question about the origin of the naming of Lyme. Right. And I, did. I had it, in, I didn't have the note in front of me and I had it in my memory that the person who discovered Lyme was uh, associated with the naming of it. And I mentioned uh, his name um, is Willy Bergdorfer. And it's actually the bacteria or one of the bacterium that causes uh, Lyme, Borrelia burgdorferia. What? <laughs> oh my God, I massacred <laughs> Try that. that again, Bergdorferia. <laughs> so his name is Bergdorfer. And the Bergdorfer. bacterium is Borrelia burgdorferi. So... Anyway, so well, I... Well, no wonder that wasn't at the uh, tip of your tongue there <laughs> so the, the Lyme, last podcast. <laughs> the Lyme of Lyme disease uh, isn't named after a person. It's actually named after where Lyme was first discovered, which uh, was in old Lyme, Connecticut. In Connecticut? Yeah. Okay. And then the bacterium was How named long after ago was that? Or do you know? <laughs> There's another question for you that we'll have to do with Yeah, I think it, I'm going to... It was, yeah. 1800s? No, late... I think it was 1975. 1975. I'm, just, I'm pulling was that f- one right out of my butt. So right, if it's wrong, okay. I'm not taking. I'm not going to. Uh, yeah. I'm nope. going to take ownership of it. You're basically just going to have to Google it. Well, I was just curious if you if you knew. You know, that's okay that you don't. You don't. Know, you don't have to know everything. You know, you don't have to know everything. What was fascinating is uh, that's good because I know nearly nothing. Um, <laughs> we after we put out the uh, Lyme disease episode shortly after that was uh, released, there was a article by CTV yeah that i sent News. you at yes. work i sent yeah and what was it again it was the oh that it may have been possible that the u.s government is responsible for lyme disease i know that there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there and there's no real proof to it right but you know it's a possibility is that what it was <laughs> i just ruined it i know but no 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 uh, that's it just that it was some military experiment gone horribly wrong. They, they, there's even a book that's being released or has recently been released about it. This whole conspiracy theory, um, but can you which may have truth to it. I think that, so. The government is they're asking the government to well, get the thing. records from the military to say, are you? So they they wanted to use it as like a weapon of war. Yeah, a bioweapon. So they would release these <sighs> crazy. ticks infested with a disease that would kill U.S. enemies, and then. I guess the theory is, according to the article, is that one of the ticks escaped, or more than one, and that's sort of where Lyme <laughs> disease ticks. began. Um, yeah. So, anyways, that's. Scary I mean, can you stuff. imagine if if that if that is the truth, if that if there is some validity to that uh, concept? Wow! Like you know, 
how many people have been sick from Lyme disease. And if it's pinned on the U.S. government because they wanted to use it as a biological weapon. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. bioweapon, yeah. Biological weapon. That's nuts. It's, well, and it's such a strange thing, right? Lyme disease is a strange thing the way it's spread. And there's one strain that is, uh, I think it's more common down in the States than it is up here, that actually when you, if you contract it, it makes you allergic to red meat. What? Yeah, I know. So it's, it's a very odd Mm. Uh, you know, disease and how it presents in so many different ways. So, um, yeah. So if you're interested in conspiracy theories and want to Google that, CTV did an article recently. There's probably lots more. Uh, I didn't see anything in the U.S. media, which is interesting. Only mm. the Canadian. Go figure. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Although the U.S. See. media were responsible for that story that we were talking about where the cat, the cows were sucked dry of their blood oh, by yes. ticks, which They've been is too busy even scarier. Week. Covering uh, racist tweets from Donald Trump. (laughs) So we're going to take off our tinfoil hats now and uh, get into what our original topic was, is the origin of common sayings. So I often wonder when I say something, I'll I'll just say sayings because I've heard them, I've heard other people say them, grew up hearing them, but I wonder where they come from. And so we went ahead and looked up some of them and I guess it goes without saying there's in some scenarios, there's multiple theories as to where sayings originated because they've just been around for so long. Yeah. But uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is uh, close but no cigar. Ah, uh, yes, close but no cigar. I say this one a lot. Now, where did, where did that one originate? So that comes from old carnivals or fairgrounds where they would often give out cigars as prizes. Uh. So when people would be coming, when they would come close to winning but wouldn't actually win... The Barker would say, yeah, close, yeah, but close. no cigar. The Carnies. The yeah. Carnies are responsible for that one. I love Carnies. Close, but no cigar. I got so much I character. Just hear them. Yeah, I know. I kind of picture the person, you know, when you hit the you hit the rubber mallet on and you have to make the thing go up and hit the oh, mallet. Oh, yeah. The strength, the yeah. strength test. Strong man. Yeah. Strong man test. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. that's really interesting because uh, I think everybody uses that idiom. You know, close but no cigar. When yeah. You're, when you're very close to achieving your goal. Whoops. Nope. It makes you wonder why some things stick and some things don't. I know. In terms of sayings. I know. Another one is uh, break the ice. Yeah. I know. I think I know the origins of this one. Oh, okay. I, mean, I would. Right. I would guess. Okay, I would, I would have to put it that fathom guess. a guess. Fathom away. Well, I would say that, uh, you know, I would say that it has to do with something, something to do with icebreakers like the ship. And how they would clear a path, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So again, there's... Really? Yeah. Wow. So before the days of trains and cars, port cities, such as our own, St. John, New Brunswick... Yes. um, ...thrived on trade, and but they suffered in the winter because of frozen rivers. Well, we don't have to worry about that because we're... Yeah. (laughs) So no ships could get in. So it would prevent commercial ships from coming in and doing business. So small ships, known as icebreakers, would rescue icebound ships, break the ice, and create a path for them to come in and do their business. Hmm. So now it's common before any kind of business arrangement um, or simply as a way to get acquainted, um, we say break the ice. And we do That's I, I really know, a interesting. lot of times at corporate uh, retreats or even business meetings or conferences they'll do breakout sessions where they'll begin with an icebreaker uh, to just yeah. you know get people loosened up and get people acquainted before they continue on with business and that's another one I think that is widely used I mean everybody just says break the ice right you know I think 
you know, for the most part. One of the ones that I looked up uh, was Beat Around the Bush. I never really understood the origins oh, of that one. Is that something to do with birds in a bush? No. Ha- well, I mean, maybe a little bit because what 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 it really means is back in the, you know, back in the day when we were hunter and ga- hunter-gatherers uh, and we were hunting, then, you know, the whatever we were hunting would go in go into the woods or whatever and then the hunters would beat around take a stick and beat down all the grass and everything around it so that they could find it so that's how beat around the bush came about which is interesting because i don't know i hadn't i would have had no idea where that one came from and then something comes out and they have to run back and pick up their gun quickly (laughs) yeah or the stick throw the stick at it or something i don't know there's a lot yeah. of bush, because uh, there's a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. <clears throat> yeah. A lot of bush sayings. I would imagine it would be one person who would like beat down all of the grass and, and then watch the rabbit run out because it being scared or whatever, and then the other one would shoot it or well, something. hopefully they wouldn't be really close to whatever was running out because yeah. then I could see this all going horribly wrong. I could see it going wrong too, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. This one I found really fascinating, Paint the Town Red. Yes, Paint the Town Red. And and Ween, uh, one of my favorite bands, have a saying called "Paint the Town Brown" because they're just that's just the way they are. It's a lively night tonight in Saint John. I know. I don't know if it, if you can pick it up yeah, the I sirens on the oh, podcast. How but could you not hear that? They're going. Oh, yeah, there they go. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, urban living. It's it's live, people. We record this live. Paint the town red. Well, what oh, I found yeah. fascinating about this is the controversy around the origin of it. So, I found on the History Channel a certain description of where this came from. And I mean, the History Channel, you figure that's a pretty legitimate source, right? <laughs> I don't know about that anymore, considering the shows that they have on there. But anyways, go ahead. Well, the shows I we watch. Uh, yeah, we watch them, but <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing historical about it at all. A lot yeah, of stuff well, on that just, channel. Yeah, just referring to some of the... Same with the Learning Channel. You don't really learn much from like watching a show called My 600-Pound Life or something, you know? Well, everybody's like, on the reality show bandwagon, and thank God for that, because I love crazy. reality TV. So the History Channel describes the origin of the Paint the Town Red like this. And there's a bit of a story, so bear with me. Go for it. Yeah, I love stories. They feel it most likely owes its origin to one legendary night of drunkenness. In 1837, the Marquis of Waterford, uh, who was known as a lush and a mischief maker, led a group of friends on a night of drinking through an English town. And uh, the English town was called Melton Mowbray. And the bender culminated in vandalism after Waterford and his fellow revelers knocked over flower pots, pulled knockers off of doors, and broke some windows. Um, so it finally ended to top it all off with the mob literally um, painting things red. They painted a toll gate, um, the doors of several homes, and a swan statue with red paint. And so that became a shorthand for a wild night out is to paint the town red now what's interesting though is that there when i i I tried Hmm. to check at least a few spots for each of these sayings to get some consistency and uh some you know i'm sorry some consensus on what the meaning would be and some people said that uh that town of melton mowbray actually just made up that story as part of their tourism oh that's the best (laughs) I love that. That's it's so that's elaborate. A, that's, that's a Banksy-ish move, you know. Yeah, I feel like we need to, to find a saying and then make up a story about our city, Saint John, around and, around yeah. how we are actually the origin of that saying. Like maybe there was an actual saint called Awesome. 
Saint Awesome. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, how, and, and what kind of saint was he, though? He was an awesome saint. There you go. I so don't it's know. Been so another theory around paint the town red was just uh, thinking that it was born out of the brothels of the American West, and so people would hit the red light district. Mm, that's yeah. That's probably probable. I like this first story, even even if it's not true. Probably I, I li- probable, eh? Well, yeah, I know, but I like the first story. <laughs> well, and th- then there's a, a third is just that firecrackers or. Um, fireworks on independence day create a red sky and paint the town red see i love this i love this idea about idioms of having all these possibilities that you just pick whichever one you really like yeah and that one's so like specific i would i don't know i feel like one of those is true it's got to be the first one (laughs) it's got to be it's got to be a bunch of delinquents who were vandals and just you know caused havoc one night and then it became legendary it's and like Baldertash when you're trying to figure out, you know, which one is the true definition I of know, a word. I know. Um, another one where there is a bit of a debate is bite the bullet. Uh, yes, I think I know this one too. I think I have an idea. Okay, well, what's what's your idea? Well, I, I would think that it has something to do with um, pain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to bite a bullet, it's not like a magic trick or anything. It's probably because you're in so much pain, you got to, like, bite the bullet to, like, excruciating, to, you know, to get right. through the pain. So there, that is one of the theories, is that surgeons, uh, when they basically were during, during battle, they would, and they didn't have, uh, you know, it was an emergency situation and they didn't have time for anesthesia, they would basically get someone to bite down on a bullet. Then other people debate, like, what? didn't they use, like, a, a leather strap? You know, that yeah, would be the... that would be way better than a metal, like, you know, bullet. But apparently like there's also a movie called Bite the Bullet, and biting the bullet in the movie referred to putting a shell casing over a, an aching tooth so that you didn't have to bite into the nerve. It would sort of protect the tooth, so oh. you'd bite the bullet. Yeah, I like the first one the most. I agree. I like it better. Yeah, it makes sense. So I mean, that one's true because that's the one we like. Yeah, that's totally true because that's the <laughs> one we chose. That's right. Here's an easy one, hands down. Like, you know, when you're like, oh, he's, he won that hands down. Yeah, I don't know what that, I don't know. I don't know what that one would be. I just, I don't mean easy as in that you should know the answer, but easy as in it's a lot easier for me to explain than the other Oh, <laughs> the last two I just Here's did. an easy one. If you don't know it, you're stupid. <laughs> it comes from horse racing. So when you're way ahead of everybody else, you can relax your grip on the reins and you can let your hands down. And then they say if you're winning with your hands down, then you've won easily. Oh, that makes sense. That's interesting. I I had not thought of that. Hands down. Interesting. Yeah. I like that one. Um, You looked up a few, didn't you? I looked up two. Oh, okay. That one. And the other one was... uh, Okay, so the other one that I looked up was... um, and my mother says this, and I've always really liked this saying, actually. It's like, if it's, you know, if there's a real s- snowstorm outside, she'll say something like, oh, it's snowing to beat the band. And I'm like, where, where did oh, that come yeah. from? And it's basically, you know, it's basically a saying that's sort of out to outdo anything else. So it's like, it started, I think it started with uh, a different saying, and then it went to music. So it's anything that is much more, uh, you know, it is as much it outdoes something else basically okay what it means like you know like if you're outdoing the the band on stage like it's snowing so hard 
it's snowing. I, I always thought that it meant this. I always thought, oh, okay, it's storming so bad that it's it it's it's gonna like you know snow so much that the band can't get to the show. You know what I mean? So the band can't get to, to do the performance. That's so tragic. So it's it's beating the band, you know. But anyways, it's it's just it's supposed to be just something that outdoes anything else. Okay, you know? so yeah. that's a saying that's used in not just snowstorms, but in other scenarios. As yeah, well. in other scenarios too. Yeah. Okay. Well, wow, that's really I like that. Have you ever heard the saying? You just made me think of this one: "Big snow, little snow, little snow, big snow." No, I've never ever even heard that ever <laughs> in my life. What does that even mean? Are you serious? Really? No, I'm, I'm serious. I've never heard. Okay, maybe it's stuff. a country thing. I grew up okay. in the country, and this is something that we're. So, if the flakes are big, okay, then it means you're only going to get a little bit of accumulation. So, big big snowflakes mean a little bit of snow is coming. Oh. But if the snowflakes are are little, then you're going to get a lot of snow. It's like a like if you're in a blizzard, you have those smaller. Shouldn't it be flakes. big flakes, not big snow? Like, shouldn't it be big flakes, little snow? Well, I think that, no, because no. we're, I don't know, country folk just like to keep it okay. All straightforward. Right. I see. Okay. No, all right. <laughs> the repetition yep. of big snow, little snow, little snow, big snow. It's easier to say. It is. It's it's like a little tongue twister. <laughs> so when you see those little flakes, a blizzard's a coming. A blizzard's That's a coming. That's the theory according to that saying. Kind of like the old um, red sky at night, uh, yeah, sailor's, sailor's delight, delight. red yes. sky at morning. Sailors take warning. And that's, I mean, the origin of that, I guess, is pretty. It's from sailors. Nautical. There's so many idioms based on nautical like t- terms and stories and stuff. It's a whole other podcast. So this started out. If you remember, I said what, there was one saying I was really curious about: dressed to the nines. Yes, I have no idea what and that means. That that one there is not a, a good consensus on it. Some really? people say it could be just a literary reference that was made as early as the 17th century. Um, could it be like? Could it be sort of like a fashion show and people are you know putting up their placards and saying and ten is the best? Wouldn't you be so dressed to like, the tens? Yeah, yeah, but like sometimes you just don't want to be perfect. You know, sometimes but, you just want to, you know, be a little, a little sloppy. But when we say dress to the nines, we mean you're ready. Like that's yeah, that that's, that's tuxedo the... and top hat and. So an, another another <laughs> suggestion was that it was that the very best suits used a full nine yards of fabric. Ah, uh, yeah, that's boring though. Anything better? No, <laughs> I could make <laughs> we, something we up on the spot. We should make something up. Yeah, dress to the nines. I don't know. We'll get back to you on on our version of that. I didn't. I don't like the nine nine yards of fabric thing. I don't. I don't buy it. I don't no? think it's true. No. Um. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Don't what? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. A gift horse? Yeah. I've never heard that one. Before really? In my because life. I say this constantly. I've never heard you you're say. You're obviously it. not listening. No, I guess not. <laughs> Either you're not saying it. It's like when you get a gift, you yeah. shouldn't question it, right? That's, that's when that's when I use it. Like if something good comes your way, don't question why. Just be happy you got it. Never look a gift horse in the mouth. Yes, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, okay. So what it means is that it has a very literal sense. Is horses' gums recede with age, as all our gums do. Yes, <laughs> um, which leads to longer teeth. And so a common way to inspect a horse's worth was to check their mouth. Okay. Then check their gums. I see. So if you were to receive a horse as a gift and you immediately started to check its mouth to inspect the value of it, right? To determine how old it was. Uh, it was considered offensive, right? It's kind of like looking for the price tag, I guess. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> um, to whoever gave you the gift. So they say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. 
And it's the same as if you get, I, I actually just used this saying this week. Someone I, got a gift and me. I said, don't question it. Just be happy you got the gift. Well, yeah, but you didn't say never look a gift horse in the, in the mouth though. I did. I use the actual saying. Oh, I didn't hear that at all. Well. I've okay. never heard it before ever, seriously. But you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that skit on I Think You Should Leave. Do you remember that skit where the guy gets the gift and he's like, oh, was it, uh, was it like, oh, give me the receipt? Can I have the receipt or oh, something? Yes. Oh, my God. It's if so you have funny. not watched the show on Netflix. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. If, yeah, you, well, like, yeah, if you like it, dark dark humor and like skit comedy kind of stuff yeah you might watch it and hate it and then you'll hate us for even recommending it and then never listen to info quench again but we're willing to take that risk because (laughs) you also might love it we love it we love it you can just turn it off i mean honestly some of the some of the best like comedy is from skit shows like mr show is another show that you should check out if you haven't already it's great anyway it's all it's all over youtube as well okay let the cat out of the bag. You've got to tell me you've heard this one before. No, does it have to do something with pirates? Oh, come on. <laughs> but you've heard of the saying, don't let the cat out of the bag. Oh, I've heard, yeah. Oh, yeah, like I know the literal meaning of it. Like, oh, yeah, okay. don't give away the secret. Yes, but like, okay. where did that? where did that come from, though? Okay. Why is it a cat and why is it a bag? So, again, two different, two different uh, theories on this one. So one we get is, to pick one. One of it was, <laughs> yes. Pick whatever one you, you like, and then you can use it as your description around the water cooler when you're explaining the origin of common sayings to your coworkers. Yeah, well, all you have to do is just tell them to listen to this InfoQuench podcast. That's right. So some say it has its roots in the 18th century, and it had to do with street fraud where suckling pigs were often sold in bags, and that was what people wanted to buy. But a, co- a popular scheme was to replace the pig with a cat and then sell it to an, Interesting. Un- an unwitting See, victim. See, if I was to make one up, I would think that this was had, this had to do with the old seafaring ships and stuff uh, when they were about to go out on a on a uh, you know quest or journey on the ship. They needed to bring a cat on board because it was very common to bring cats on board to take care of the mice and the rats and stuff. Whoa, really? Yes. But wouldn't you want so, to let the cat out of the bag? Yes, when you got on the ship probably wouldn't have been too easy they didn't have cat carriers back then they put them in a bag bring it onto the ship and then let the cat out of the bag huh i like that i'm just making it up here but really yeah but it makes sense to me it's it's well it's it's interesting you make it up because the, the the other suggested theory i guess that i came across had to do with ships oh but not in that sense so the origin um this particular origin story claims that it refers to the cat of nine tails. Uh, so the whip, right? Okay. You know, a uh, cat of nine tails whip? No, I don't. I'm not familiar with that, to be honest. Really? No. Oh, a cat oh. of nine tails. I know that, you know, a cat has nine lives. Is that what you're talking about? No, no. Mm. There's a whip that has. What kind of whip? Do we even know each other? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Who are you? A whip. It's a whip that has like all these. It has like frayed ends. And it, I know and what a whip called, is. Okay. And I know it's, what a, anyway, it's called the cat of nine tails. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, why? There, why okay. is it called That's a cat? If, if, if our listeners didn't know that either, um, I don't know of why. Of course, the whip, they knew it. I just didn't. I don't know why the whip is is called that. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> but, then fine. But I know. I do know We're why. Still nowhere. The cat of nine tails. <laughs> 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 and I'm not even going to fathom a guess because then I'll have to correct myself left and right in future episodes. All right. Um, the cat of nine tails whip in 
how it plays out in this story mm-hmm. is that it was used uh, by the Royal Navy as an instrument of punishment aboard ships. So they would basically say um, that, it, well, it had to be kept in a sack because it was made of leather and they had to keep it from drying out in the salty sea air. Right. And they would say, you know, kind of everybody, you know, don't act up, be or good, or they're, they're going to have to let the cat out of the bag and the cat of nine tails would come out uh, as the whip and, and people would be whipped as punishment. See, I thought the cat was like a literal cat, not a whip. But, you know, I think I'm right, even though I just made it up. <laughs> I think I'm right. What about um, a white elephant? What about, I, I wanted to ask you one quickly. What okay. about what about the, the elephant in the room? What about that saying? Where did that come from? I know we oh, all okay. know what it means, but where did it come I from? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. That's why. You it, can't just put stuff well, out no, there and not This have is the homework for our listeners. So someone needs to find out where the, uh, you know, the idiom, the elephant in the room, and then get back well, to I us on social it, media. I wonder if it, okay. Yes. Let us know. Let us know. We'll give you some homework. I wonder if it's related to the white elephant. Oh, maybe. Which I was going to bring up. What about what? What are they saying about the white elephant? Wait, do you know what a white elephant is? Uh, it's rare. It is rare, absolutely. It's actually uh, was once considered highly sacred in Thailand, mm-hmm. and was even on their national flag until 1917. Oh wow! That's just a little added tidbit. Yeah. But um, they are uh, they were actually very huge creatures and they were expensive to feed and to take care of more than any other elephant i guess so well it's because it's white was that was that well maybe it was just bigger maybe the white elephants were bigger than the other elephants i doubt it okay well regardless it was a burdensome i'm just trying to get to to the bottom of these idioms go ahead (laughs) i'm sorry so what it was is it was if if you really wanted to punish somebody, mm-hmm. it was a really passive aggressive way because you would give them a gift of a white elephant, knowing that they would basically go into the poorhouse trying to feed it and care for it. Oh jeez, man, what is wrong with humans doing this to one another? <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay. Well, it's pretty. Elaborate. Here's your white elephant, so that it'll just eat you out of house and home, and you you'll starve. There you go. This is how much I like you. It's, so, that's crazy. I know. That's crazy. Where does that one originate? Did you say Thailand? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, <sighs> no one wants an elephant. There's I'm probably, again, there's probably. Well, I shouldn't say no there's one. There's probably but, multiple origins, explanations to that. We should come up one. with our own for that, too. You know? <laughs> um, okay. What do I got? I've got one last one. The silver lining. Silver lining. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I know, you know, sort of literally what it means. It means like, you know, there's there's something good and, and, and a bad situation, right? And it comes actually from a work by John Milton. Ah, which one? Paradise Lost? Colmus? Okay, never heard of it. Colmus. I had to point to it to Jeff because I, I, I wasn't 100% sure on the pronunciation, but Jeff is the literary... Oh, I could have been wrong as well. Of, I, of the two of us, he's more well-read. Well, that that's not true. You've read way more books than me. Maybe well, not. Well, you've read more important books. Actually, that is... that. <laughs> yeah, well, I have never read... Well, I've read some of Milton. I, Milton's the kind of... You know, you, you read it and it's... And it, it, I, think, I think he wrote Paradise Lost. I could be wrong. But 
Do you um, want to read his little passage about oh, sure, where sure. the silver um, lining comes the, from? Yes, let me let me do the the reading. Uh, the silver lining is the optimistic part of what might otherwise. Nineteen. Okay. This is where I'm pointing to Jeff. Was I deceived, or did a, a sable cloud turn forth her silver lining on the night? I did not err. There does a sable cloud turn forth her silver lining on the night and cast a gleam over the tuft grove. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank honey. you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is where we add some. I'm going to add some applause right there. That was right like some here. There. James Earl Jones kind of stuff yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot of clapping. That was really nice. People what a really great way to that. end end this podcast. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you found some. <laughs> this is <laughs> some Amy's humor. way of saying, let's wrap this up. All right. Sounds good. We, it was a good, it was a good podcast it for was sure. Fun. I learned some um, things. I, I lost some things. We made some I things up things. even. We made some things up, <laughs> yeah, which was, was really fun. Yeah, there some made up things in this. So yeah, let us know where the whole elephant in the room came out, came from. Uh, yeah. Pop onto our Instagram or Twitter, Facebook. Remember, we, we know what it means, and but we just want to know where it originated. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll uh, see you in the next podcast on InfoQuench. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit InfoQuench.com to subscribe and catch up on past episodes. You can also check out InfoQuench on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till, Till next time. time.